performance was pitiful from start to finish. There was no tempo, there was no approach. It was the same tedious, stultifying, boring rubbish. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave for your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Now then, you're welcome along to Sunday's Off The Ball. Manchester United against Southampton is our first live game of the afternoon. Stephen Doyle and Brian Kerr will be on duty. We'll have Nathan and Kenny Cunningham watching Newcastle Wolves half past four. Of course, uh, plenty of attention on Murrayfield as well. Ireland against Scotland kicks off at three o'clock. Ireland very much going for a grand slam. Scotland looking for their first triple crown in 33 years and uh, in doing so would still be very much in the conversation for a championship come next Saturday Arsenal Fulham play as well today that's at 2 o'clock and West Ham Villa also uh, on the menu this afternoon 2 o'clock updates from around the grounds all afternoon very happy to say Anne-Marie Donnan here in studio as well Hi Joe Aidan Delaney afternoon Afternoon Joe Uh, There was a piece by Jonathan Liu in the Guardian about three, four months ago where he was saying uh, commentators, frankly, have taken over. How about we just have no commentators? Mm, I remember that actually, yeah. It was a big talking point at the time. Lots of people saying, you know, given the quality of the picture these days, we all know the players, commentators talk too much. Why don't we just uh, enjoy it with just the crowd noise? As I sat down to watch Match of the Day last night, I uh, firmly knew all of a sudden where I stood in that. It's not good. No, definitely not. <laughs> it really isn't good at all. You didn't watch Match of the Day, though, because it wasn't branded Match of the Day. Mm. Premier League highlights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why they took off the theme tune and everything. I mean, it would have sounded awful. In, in, in hindsight, probably a good decision to have the theme tune followed by just silence. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Messy. Uh, we talk about this issue, Obviously, as you might yeah. imagine, at length in the pay-per-view. Dion Fanning from The Currency and Fionn Davenport, travel journalist, uh, Golf Weekly and a uh, massive sports fan uh, talked at length about it. The coverage is everywhere. Front pages, back pages. There is not a columnist not writing about Gary Lineker uh, this week. So the Sunday Paper Review is up in our social channels at the moment and will be podcasted in due course. We'll uh, check in ahead of our first kickoff, Manchester United against Southampton with Stephen Doyle in just a moment. Uh, first, Anne-Marie, uh, Six Nations. So three o'clock kickoff at Murrayfield. Yes, Ireland will look to keep their Grand Slam ambitions on track this afternoon. They take on Scotland in their final away game of the Six Nations, as you say, three o'clock start in Murrayfield. Ireland remain the only unbeaten side so far in this tournament. There's six changes to the side that beat Italy two weeks ago. Johnny Sexton returning is one of them. And of course, Thag Furlong is set to make his first start of the campaign. England's title hope came to a sharp end yesterday evening with a 53-10 loss to France at Twickenham while Wales registered their first win of the campaign beating Italy 29-17 in Rome. Yeah, the French win broke all kinds of records. England's worst ever defeat at home. Six Nations and then as the game went on worst ever defeat at home. Full stop. So it was an annihilation. They will turn up to Dublin pretty much on the floor next Saturday which really does add to the sense which was there already I think that for Ireland to win a Grand Slam of the two assignments Murrayfield today the more difficult one you look at that Irish 23 though it's hard not to feel confident 
Absolutely, particularly looking at the English performance yesterday, as you say, record-breaking in all the wrong ways. Uh, throughout the week, I saw the, the Marcus Smith coming in and I thought, mm, I'm not really sure about that against the side that is on form with France coming to town. And then as the week went on, I started to kind of convince myself, no, actually, maybe it is good to kind of give Farrell a bit of a drop. But when you saw, when you know, we often talk about our own, own Farrell's defensive tactics and, you know, his tackling and stuff like that. But you saw the lack of it yesterday and you can't put it all at the feet of Marcus Smith. Smith, obviously, but he, Owen Farrell was certainly, you know, missed by his absence yesterday. I felt it's fine. I, yeah, I'd put none of it at Marcus Smith's feet. No, no. Yeah, he didn't play that badly. They were just obliterated. Yeah, and France started to smell blood, and then they were in the mood increasingly. And there's nothing a ten can do, I think, in that situation. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if Borthwick. Keeps Persist him inside, them, yeah. takes him out, and then if you take him out. What kind of psychological blow does that have? Yeah, it's like your last like competitive fixture before the World Cup. Yeah. So they're in dire straits, to say the least. Uh, the Irish 23, I mean, Sexton back, Furlong back, Ringrose back, Peter Amani back on the side. You have Henshaw back on the bench, you have Gibson Park on the bench. So uh, the optimism, which is around Scottish rugby, would have been punctured somewhat by those names uh, returning. I was chatting even with Rob Carney yesterday and was uh, saying that like have you played in a better 23 and he was struggling to think of one so uh, it's going to be an interesting game in some ways they're paralleling each other Ireland going very well Scotland going very, very well but just Ireland ahead of them on, on all the fronts Ireland going for a Grand Slam Scotland going for a Triple Crown uh, but if Ireland aren't at their best then maybe Scotland will swoop so analysis across the day updates across the day 3 o'clock kickoff at uh, Murrayfield Premier League yeah, there are three two o'clock games. Fulham take on Arsenal at Craven Cottage. Arsenal can once again go five points clear at the top of the table if they get a win there. West Ham, meanwhile, entertain Aston Villa kickoff at the London Stadium also at two o'clock. And our commentary game is Manchester United against Southampton. That one at Old Trafford. Stephen Doyle will call that alongside Brian Kerr. And Stephen's there now with Team News, I believe. I sure am, Anne-Marie. Good afternoon, everybody. And the uh, Manchester United team, well, that's showing just one change from their match against Real Betis, of course. Uh, striking back after that humiliation last Sunday from uh, Anfield. Liverpool hammering United, of course, 7-0. Uh, it really has been the big story of the Premier League over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but they did recover with a very impressive win against Real Betis. I did actually watch the Real Betis-Real Madrid game last Sunday. Uh, Betis were at home in that game. It was a scoreless draw. And they were very impressive, Betis under their uh, former Manchester City boss Manuel Pellegrini and uh, I thought they might give United some problems on Thursday but Old Trafford has become a fortress once again United unbeaten there since last August under Eric Ten Hag and uh, it's been a long time I think since teams went to Old Trafford and really feared playing the host but uh, it is starting to look like that right now so a 4-1 win for them and uh, just the one change Fred drops out of the team Jaden Sancho is handed a start so it's David Hay and goal at right back it's uh, sorry I should say two changes because Aaron Wambasaka comes in for Diogo Dallo Luke Shaw plays at left back and then it's the centre-half pairing of Varane and Martinez. It looks like Fernandes will drop into that uh, double pivot with Casemiro. And then the attacking three is Anthony on the right. And then it could be Rashford or Sancho on the left or one of those in the middle with Veghorst leading the line. Of course, we have seen Veghorst dropping deep and uh, allowing Marcus Rashford uh, play up top. So we'll see how that develops throughout the afternoon. Southampton, well... 
they're starting to find a bit of form under there. Well, he was the caretaker boss, Ruben Sellers, a man with no playing experience at all. Uh, he came through uh, the coaching route and he's coached in many countries like Greece and Russia and gained a lot of experience, came in as an assistant manager uh, under the old boss, Ralph Hasenhutl, of course, was sacked later earlier in the season. And then his replacement, Nathan Jones, sacked a few weeks ago. And uh, since he's taken over, Ruben Sellers, he's had uh, two victories in the Premier League out of three matches. Not a bad record at all. 1-0 win at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea and a 1-0 win at home against Leicester City. They did have that uh, minor hiccup. Uh, well, it was a major hiccup, really, going out of the FA Cup fifth round against Grimsby Town. A bar- embarrassing uh, defeat, really, for them that night but they can get their season back on track. Of course, we know the relegation battle could turn out to be more interesting than the uh, fight for the title or even the top four because there's nine teams down at the bottom with six points between them from Crystal Palace in 12th position right down to Southampton at the bottom who have 21 points after those two recent wins. And... uh, partly due to uh, the clean sheets of Gavin Bazunu, but he has looked a bit shaky in the last couple of games. Listening to some of the Southampton supporters in the build-up to this match, there was talk of perhaps Alex McCarthy or them wanting Alex McCarthy to come in because Bazunu has been uh, showing some nervy moments uh, over the last couple of games, but he keeps his place, I'm glad to say, from an Irish perspective with those big internationals coming up uh, at the end of the month against Latvia and against France. Maitland-Niles, the only change, uh, he drops out of the team, uh, so it means Roman Perot comes in for Southampton. He's which is over to the left side. Uh, Kyle Walker-Peters on the right for them. Uh, he had played on the uh, left in the last game. Gavin Bazunu in goal. It's Bednarik and uh, Bella Kotchap as the centre-halves with Lavia and Ward-Prowse as the holding midfielders. And then it's Alcaraz playing in the number 10 role with Theo Walcott to his right and uh, Sulemania to the left and Che Adams leading the line. Glad to say Alcaraz is okay because uh, he did uh, celebrate that goal against Leicester City with a knee slide after which he injured himself and uh, he said he felt really guilty after that and that he'd uh, maybe uh, given his boss a bit of trouble but glad to say he is fit and healthy to ready to go ready to go for this two o'clock kickoff at Old Trafford. Okay, thanks Steve-O. As you say, that's two o'clock kickoff. their commentary here on the programme. In other football news, there was one game in the Premier Division of the SSE Airtricity League last night. Slagger Rovers and Cork City drew two all at the showgrounds. The visitors led 2-0 thanks to goals from Jonas Hakeen and Rory Keating. That was before Aina Clancy found the back of the net for John Russell's side and then a Max Mata penalty in the 93rd minute. The result means Sligo remain fourth in the table with Cork sixth. There's a top of the table clash taking place in the Women's Super League. Champions Chelsea are hosting leaders Manchester United. It is Chelsea who lead that one goal to nil thanks to a Sam Kerr goal in the 23rd minute. Should the result stay like this Emma Hayes' side would once again go back up to the top of the table with a two point advantage over United. They're just approaching half time there. Elsewhere today Brighton entertain Manchester City from two at the same time Liverpool host Tottenham and then at three Leicester play Everton West Ham face Aston Villa and this evening Reading go to Arsenal Rangers meanwhile are taking on Rath Rovers in the quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup it is scoreless there with 13 minutes on the clock at Ibrox
So that's the football. There's Allianz Hurling League. Yeah, there is. And All-Ireland champions Limerick are back from their warm weather training camp in Portugal this afternoon. That's for their Allianz National Hurling League game with Westmead. That's in Mullingar from 2 o'clock. Elsewhere in Division 1 Group A, Clare entertain Galway at a quarter to two. And then at a quarter to four, it's Cork and Wexford at Porky Cueve. In Division 1 Group A, Antrim hosts Leash from 1 o'clock. Um, so that's just underway and then at a quarter to two Kilkenny and Dublin is at Nolan Park last night Jake Morris scored a hat-trick of goals for Tipperary as they took top spot in Division 1B a comfortable 4.23 to 25 point win over Waterford at Semple Stadium this of course saw Liam Cahill welcome his former team to Semple he spoke after the game in relation to the Hurling League the competition that he won last year before a disappointing showing in the championship with Waterford here he is there's a lot being written and said about the National League and, and you know, it is a fairly intense nature, obviously, week after week. Um, and then, obviously, if you get to a final, it's only two weeks to the first round of the Mustard Championship where, where, where ultimately every team is judged um, in the summer. So, look, the league is a national title. I, I have a lot of respect for the league. I'm fortunate enough to win two of them myself as a player or be part of a team that won two of them as a player. They're national titles. Not too many counties have them. Players have them. And, uh, you know, at this stage, we'll be going after it and we'll be doing our best to get to a final and try and win it. Elsewhere, then Davy Fitzgerald, Waterford manager, also spoke after the game and their discipline was once again highlighted as Jamie Barron was shown a straight red card. Here's Davy speaking in relation to that. Sending off. Killer. Killer. We were right back in control. Even they got the goal. My honest opinion of the goal, that goal was I thought it was a push on Ty. Ty thought it was a push on him as well. And them small things changes games like you. I, I felt that. And maybe Jamie reacted badly after that because they got the ball in the back of the net. But I thought we did really well for the first 20 minutes of the second half. Um, so I did. And then when that was sent off, they took control again. Well, listen, I, I don't think we can have complaints about the right card. Like he probably reacted to something. That's fine. And. Uh, Reaction is a reaction, so we will have to take our medicine on that. But I, like Seamus Kennedy got, it's like it's very hard to see. He had a high tackle and got a tick. Like if there's a high tackle, I think it's a small bit more than a tick. Like and all we want to see is the same across the line that everyone is treated the same way. Um, so it is. But in fairness, Tipper the better team tonight. But I saw patches from our team that is encouraging. That's really encouraging. Quite an intense handshake between Liam Gall and Dave Fitzgerald last night. Did you see it? No. Uh, yeah, I did. It was there was kind of a knowing wink though. I think at the end as well. There's kind of a picture going around of them kind of pointing at each other and stuff. Was it was it as intense as it maybe looked? You know, kind of pictures can lie to you a little bit. It looked like Davy said something to him. Maybe. Yeah. I'm not a lip reader, but it was it wasn't a, a long exchange, but it was akin to I don't know. If you told me he had said like we'll see you in the summer. Or worse, that effect I might half buy into that, but I don't know. Whatever he said, it was it was sort of with a smile. It wasn't a, mm. an angry face or a, or a testy exchange, but it was a, it looked a touch pointed. This isn't Cody Shefflin, kind of. No, and oh. then Cal responded as Davy walked away with kind of a okay and a bit of a point and a, and a and an agreement. That's why I half thought maybe he's saying we'll see you in the summer and yeah, you will. That mm. was my trying to get the psychological blow in yeah, early like there. Yeah. What the blow is, I don't even know, but uh, it was nothing too 
chesty, but it was a bit more pointed than your usual uh, league shaking of hands. So that's or maybe it's in relation to that that he highlights there the inconsistency in the referee and if he brought that up with him. Be more something you say to the referee, I think. I suppose, yeah. Anyway, we'll uh, find out at some stage perhaps. Katie Taylor, this is uh, confirmed last night, so May 20th is now happening. Her homecoming fight will be held in Dublin on the 20th of May at the Surrey Arena. The Bray Boxer will face England's Chantelle Cameron for the undisputed Super Lightweight Championship. Taylor's planned Dublin showdown with Amanda Serrano was called off after the Puerto Rican sustained an injury. So the 20th of May at the Three Arena. Yeah. Chantelle Cameron is undisputed, super lightweight uh, belt holder, as you say, Anne-Marie. And so Katie Taylor will be going up a weight. So one of these two will be uh, undisputed champion, two weight uh, champion, which is a serious carrot. And obviously Amanda Serrano is waiting in the wings. So May 20th, three arena. That is very much going ahead. Uh, The golf, meanwhile, over in Florida. Shane Lowry shot a four under par third round of 68 at the Players' Championship overnight and that leaves him two under all round in a tie for 47th. He was the only Irish to make the cut. World number two, Scotty Scheffler has a two shot lead over the chasing pack. He sits on 14 under par. Interesting comments from Roy McIlroy in the papers today. He's talking about how he needs to become a golfer again. He has spent a lot of time being de facto PGA Tour spokesman over the last live, yeah. year plus and missed the cut this weekend, plus five. Uh, doesn't like his new driver, which is part of the problem. He had to uh, retire his previous driver, which he loved about three weeks ago. And his putting has uh, dipped. But he was also talking about things like being in seven hour PGA Tour board meetings instead of preparing for events. So with the gust of coming into view, he's going to maybe take a step back from that, which wouldn't be the worst idea, perhaps. Well, I think it was actually quite interesting. I've just finished full swing and I think the one thing you get from the final episode is that actually the I get what you're saying in that he wants to get back to just being a golfer and kind of focusing, you know, stick to sport, I suppose, is the, the phrase that we've heard a lot this week as well. Um, but I think when you watch that episode of Full Swing, you actually get a sense that Rory has a purpose now and actually fighting Liv has kind of, you know, focused his game a little bit more. Energised him. Energised him, I think, is probably the right way to put it all right. But even though that, that seems like it's it's diverging his interest, but when he has something to fight for, and maybe that's kind of drifted off a little bit in the last few weeks and that's why we saw the performance at Sawgrass today. Yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, uh, the other point is it could just be a dip, which happens in golf all the time. Sure. It's a game of millimetres. So um, it could be just normal dip, which would happen regardless. Or there could be a degree if he was so energised last year, mm-hmm. he can't sustain that. We saw it with Liverpool, you know, this There's year. There's a drop well. somewhere, yeah. yeah. So uh, Gust is right around the corner, so we'll see if he can recover his form. Uh, Rashida Adeleke in action last night. She became the first Irish athlete to medal at the NCAA Championships in the US by claiming silver in the 400 metre final in Albuquerque. The final was split over two heats where the 20-year-old Tala Sprinter ran a time of 50.45 seconds for the University of Texas where she's in her second year of studies. She was denied gold by American Britton Wilson who won the other section in 49.48 seconds and that's the second fastest indoor time in history. We had her on the show two weeks ago. She's flying. So she's only really started running 400 metres. In the last few months. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's incredible. And she has really taken to it and she's enjoying her time in Texas. She's breaking her own record now at this stage, her own national record. Uh, I don't know if you saw Michael Johnson tweeted, uh, quote tweeted her performance. No, I didn't see it. And basically this was her heat where she breathed through. He said as soon as she starts using her arms properly, as opposed to carrying them, uh, she's going to be pretty scary. So if Michael Johnson is saying that, we'll take that to the bank. So exciting times ahead for her and Paris is around the corner. I mean, we, we potentially have a bit of a superstar on our hands here, which is uh, very exciting. Uh, last uh, story, the racing. The first of seven races goes to post at Limerick from 20 to 2 this afternoon. While just before two o'clock, a seven race card gets underway at NACE. The final weekend, of course, before Cheltenham. The grade three Irish wire products Mare's Novice Hurdle is the feature at Limerick. That's at a quarter past two. The Gordon Elliott trained Harmonia maker with Jordan Gainford on board expected to go off the favourite there. While the grade A bar one racing Leinster National Handicap Steeplechase is the feature at NACE. That's at 10 to 5 and the John Kiley trained the Tack Room is the early favourite there. Anne-Marie, thanks very much, Aidan. No thanks a million. Thank so you. Manchester United Southampton, our first live game of the afternoon. We'll chat to Brian Kerr next.